Good morning, church family. Uh, if you are currently standing, please continue standing because we are now going to hear from the word of the Lord. Uh, so my name is Ashley Polly, and I, thank you, that is my small group over there, uh, and I serve on your ministry council. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 13 and Philippians 3. We will begin in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Then Philippians 3, verses 5 to 9. The apostle Paul wrote, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This morning we're going to go to those two very, very short stories uh, that, that Ashley started with, found in Matthew 13, 44 to 46. If you have a Bible, turn there. Two very short, but I'm telling you, penetrating stories that go deep into each one of our hearts and really what happens, and it's happened for me so many times, Jesus is forcing you and me uh, to ask what is really important in your life, uh, forcing us to stop and say what is truly important to you. And that's why I've called this message one thing worth everything because let, let's just face it, I mean, there are many things that are important to us. So Pastor Jeff likes chili. I mean, I, I just heard him say that. So, I mean, good food, a, a hobby. Many of us just love our careers. Many love sports. Many love friendships. Many love cars. Uh, Chris, Chris likes romance movies. I, there's so many things that we love, and God has made us that way. And that's not bad to have a lot of things that we enjoy. But at the same time, what the stories of Jesus are going to make us face is this, that not all valuable things to us are of the same value. Not all important things to us are of the same worth. Now, to, to try to set the stage, uh, one thing that came to my mind were these uh, old advertisements from MasterCard that forced us to come to grips with this. Uh, MasterCard was sort of owning up to the fact that there are certain things in this world that are worth more than what you could buy with a credit card. Now, of course, what they were trying to do is to get us to buy all the other stuff with the credit card. But still, I, I really liked the point. And so I found my favorite one of those many stories, and I'll show it to you. I think you'll remember it. Most popular toy for toddler, $500. Most popular stuffed animal for toddler, $350. Most popular picture book for toddler, $60. Watching her play with a cardboard box instead? Priceless. 
there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. I just love that. But, but it is true, isn't it? I mean, there are some things that are worth so much more than just material things. Jesus takes that truth that I think everybody is aware of, and he infuses it with eternal significance in these two stories. They are two stories of very, very different kinds of people who find one day something of much greater value than anything they had ever experienced before. I really think this has huge significance for us here in Southern California because I hear so many people who tell me that they're on this spiritual search to some, find something to fill that inner spiritual void. But what Jesus is talking about here is spiritual finding in these two stories. You ready? Story number one, the hidden treasure. Just one verse, verse 44 of Matthew 13. And there was a man who in his joy, and notice that phrase, in his joy, he sold all that he had for this hidden treasure. Now, to understand this story about this man finding a treasure that was hidden in a field, um, when Jesus told this story, there were no banks. There were no self-deposit vaults that were there. So people had to have different ways of protecting their possessions. And the main way was to hide them somewhere. And usually they buried them. You know, it's kind of like a dog buries a bone, I guess, knowing that there are other dogs who might want that bone to protect that for a later day. People in those days would hide their prized possessions by, by digging and, and hiding them someplace. Usually it was in a field or where, where animals grazed, or sometimes it would be up in the mountains. Um, for those of you who know the Bible, it's just like Matthew chapter 25 where Jesus tells uh, the story of the people to whom many talents were given, and one took his talent and buried it down in a hole. This was what he was doing. He was protecting it and didn't produce anything with it. Now, to, uh, to, to, to look at this, uh, to understand this, the setting, um, the law in Israel was that if someone found a treasure in an unowned field and the original owner of that field couldn't be found, then whoever found that treasure would be able to keep it. It, it, was, um, it was finders, keepers. Uh, so, so the way that it sort of worked out was this. If a person knew that he or she would be going out uh, on a trip or maybe going to war, they would go and bury the important things. But sometimes those people didn't come back again. Sometimes they were killed in war. Or many times, whenever they knew that uh, there, was, uh, there was an attacker coming, enemies coming into their area, they would go and protect their most valuable possessions so that the uh, looters, the attackers, couldn't get it. But sometimes the looters killed the people, and so that treasure was left in the field, sometimes for long periods of time. You can imagine how this worked out. This is where many of the uh, treasure search kind of stories that have been big throughout history came about because there were always treasures that were hidden. Now, the law in Israel was whoever would find that treasure would be the one that was called the lifter, lifting it up out of its hiding place. And it would belong to you if you found it. And it should have been just very, very clear. However, there were things like in any other society that complicated this matter. And mostly what complicated it was if there was an employer or if it was a, a, a master of a slave, the employer would say, no, 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 that person found that treasure while under my employee. And so it really belongs to me. 
We still have problems like this. I mean, when I was back in the university, sometimes there would be things that were written while a person was working for the university, and so the question would come up, does that intellectual property belong to the one who wrote it or to the school for whom he or she was working? You see it? And in the same way, sometimes patents have worked out this way, that uh, when a patent, something is, is, is created or, or designed, does it belong then to the firm for whom you were working or to you? And so in the same way, sometimes it worked out that the employer, especially a person who had a whole lot more clout, a whole lot more money, would come and say, yes, he may have found it in the field, but it really is mine because really he belongs to me. Then the, on the only way that one who found it could absolutely make sure that he was able to get that property was he had to buy the field, the owner of the field, and he would take it out of, of what belonged to him. Now, now, I know many people, I've talked with you about this this week, many have said, was that really, you know, an honest thing to do, to sort of hide this from his, his employer? I, I just want you to know the law was clear. It belonged to the one who lifted it, who found it. It's just that Jesus is telling a story, not to try to get at the, the morality of this thing, but letting us know that this one to whom it belonged had found something that was worthy of everything. Do you see, do you see what he's getting at? So his point isn't about whether it was right or wrong. His, his point really is that if you enter into this and you find this thing that is worth everything you've ever been looking for, then it is worth going out and giving up everything you've ever saved for yourself in order to have that treasure. Because probably this first man in this first story came from probably the less wealthy strata of, of, of society. He was probably a day worker and, and didn't have, but had probably, like, like in our day too, had, had saved everything he possibly could. And he gave up everything that he'd ever saved because he knew that everything that he had ever had was not worth as much as this treasure that he had found. And I'll tell you what Jesus is saying is so clear to me that there is a treasure that is available to us in this world that is worth so much that it's worth anything for you and me to have it. And he's saying that is what you experience when you enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. This is what finding the kingdom of God, which comes through faith in Jesus, is like. And, and one of the things I really love about this first story, you can see it there in verse 44, that not only was he willing to give up everything that he had tried to hold on to his whole life in order to have this, but he had great joy in doing it. I, I mean, so many times we'll sacrifice so much to get something, and after we've had it for a while, we'll say, well, it's not all that great. Can I go back and get some of that stuff back again? But Jesus says, no, no, no. This man with great joy enters into this because he has found what life is all about. Um, the loss of everything else in this world to gain this treasure was in this man's heart. No real loss at all. You've got to see this too. Jesus is not saying that in order for us uh, to enter into that spiritual treasure, to know him, that, that we have to go out and buy it somehow. We've got to earn it. through. Our, that's not what he is getting at because it comes to us as a free gift. What he's saying is this. If you recognize that there is a treasure that is to be found in Jesus... And in following Jesus, the king of this new kingdom, you find out that he asks you to give up everything. Then all that stuff that you give up is well lost in comparison to the beauty of knowing Christ. 
And I was, I, I was thinking, this is so countercultural for us. We go to church thinking, how can I got, get God to give me what I really want? It's not him, it's that stuff. So I said, how do I make this come home? So I'm going to try it all morning to do this. But I was on the Wheaton College campus, my alma mater, last week. And one of the alums of Wheaton College was a man named Jim Elliott. For those of you newer to church, you may not know about him. Uh, Jim Elliott was one of the most gifted students in the history of Wheaton College, one of the most gifted student leaders. Everybody knew that he had these amazing skills and intellect to become uh, financially successful, successful in his career. But one day on campus, he sensed the call of King Jesus uh, to, to leave behind all those things, the career that was there, to carry the message of Jesus down to these, uh, this tribal group of people in South Africa. Do you know this story of Jim Elliot? And so he obeyed the call of the king to do so, and eventually it cost him his life. Um, before he went down uh, to do this, he had a number of his fellow students, a, n a number, maybe even his family, who had asked him this question, why on earth would you do such a thing? Why would you give up everything that is ahead of you in order to go down to these people that you haven't even met? And you may know his concise and powerful response. I'll just put it up here so you can see it. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus says, that's what finding the kingdom of God is like. Well, what else is it like? It's very similar. Story number two, the one priceless pearl. This man sold everything he had. We have two verses for him, verses 45 and 46. He sold everything he had, and he bought that pearl. Now, if you have a Bible in front of you, I want you to notice that Jesus starts this story with the word again. What he's saying is, you may have missed it the first time. <laughs> That's kind of what I've thought, too. So I'm going to tell you another story about a very different kind of person, but with the same demand. Really, what he's doing is this. He's showing this, that no matter what kind of person you or I may be, that, that when you find the king of the kingdom, when you meet Jesus, it is going to have the same effect upon you. That Jesus has come to bring a whole new life to all kinds of people. In this situation, the first man was a poor man. This one is a much richer man. So whether you are wealthier or less wealthy here when you come to Lake Avenue Church, or whether you are black or white or anything in between, whether you are young or old or anything in between, when the call of the kingdom of heaven comes to you, you're going to find that even though there's great diversity among those who come into the family of God, there is going to be one thing that every one of us has in common. What is it? Well, to find it, let's think about these two men. Again, that pearl merchant, he would have been at the very top of the economic strata in the class in his, in his world. Uh, Poor people didn't own these, these jewelry kind of places back, back in that way. And, and the other man who had to sell everything he had just to buy one field, he would have been on the lower income level. And yet, somehow one day, they saw there's something more to live for than we've ever found. One man found it in a field. Another man found it just one day as he was going through all of his 
pearls. He found, they found that one thing worth everything. Uh, and I want you to notice this. Okay. We have some business people here in the church. You, you're with me here, right? I'm going to tell you what this story is not about. It, it's not saying, hey, you can have a good business deal here, Jesus says. Listen, uh, you can get rid of all of those pearls to buy this one pearl, but six months from now, let me tell you something, that one pearl is going to escalate in value, and you can go back and buy all of those other power pearls and a whole lot more. I'm offering you a good business deal. That is not what Jesus is saying here. Were you thinking that he was? He was saying, no, I got one. Thanks, David. He was saying this. It's the pearl that is valuable, not the profit. It's the pearl that when you have that, you have what this life is all about. So these two men on the surface are very, very different, but they had the same need. They needed something that was of lasting value in their lives. And when they found what really mattered, they completely reoriented their entire lives around it. Nothing was too much to give up in order to have this pearl. And what it says to us, I just feel like it speaks to us in, in our American churchianity, where we, we think that it's sort of this half-hearted religiosity well, yeah, there's a spiritual part of us, and now I can keep living the way I've always wanted to live, but I'll just sort of add Jesus to it. Isn't that sort of the way we think? Uh, but Jesus says, no, that's not what I've come. I'm not going to give my life for that. But, but I have come to give you the life for which you were created, and for that to happen, you have to have me at the center of your being. Amen. There can only be one king in this kingdom, there is only one Lord, and when you bring me into the rightful place, these secondary things, you can still sometimes really enjoy them, but you don't live for them. So when, when they come, you say, thank you, Lord, I rejoice in what you've offered. When they're taken away, you know you've really not lost anything. I'll just tell you, when you meet Jesus and bring him into your life, genuine, here I'm talking about genuine encounter of faith with Jesus, you quickly find out that your life isn't your own anymore. And you, because you know it's not just us doing it on our own without him hasn't gotten us anyway. When you follow Jesus by faith, on one side, what you say is everything I am and everything I have is yours. You surrender it all to him, but you find out at the end of the day that you haven't really given up anything that really matters. See, when you found spiritual treasure, every part of these two men's lives were revolutionized by it. That, that second man couldn't go back to his, um, his pearl industry. He'd given it all away. Uh, the first man wasn't going to have what he had saved for a rainy day. It was, it was gone. So it makes you see that, that, that following Jesus isn't just some sort of self-help religion, like many people try to say that it is, that just sort of improves our lives. The Christian faith is an encounter with a living God that changes us from inside out. In these stories, what Jesus is saying is this. If you have the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus and have nothing else, you still have everything that matters. But, but if you have everything else this world has to offer and do not have the kingdom of God through Jesus, 
you have nothing that lasts. So I'll tell you, one of the surest ways to know whether your um, walk with God is real, that you've entered the kingdom of God, is that you begin to find that that changes your life totally. How might you be able to know that? So I I took these two stories and uh, I put some things together for you for you to think about it. I call it what to do when your eyes are open to spiritual treasure. So you show up at church and the pastor does this message from these stories and you say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of my life, the savior of my soul who loves me with an everlasting love. What does that mean to me? Here's what I see in these two men. Number one, you assess with your mind, the value of that treasure of a new life that he offers in the light of everything else in this world. Because the whole world is saying, live this way, the way everybody's values, get this career, get this much money, and you'll have life. Jesus says, no, the way you find life is following me wherever I would have you go. You assess that. Which one has eternal worth? Number two. When you hear about Jesus and read about Jesus, you do what these men did. You feel the value of that treasure deep inside of your heart. You would give up nothing for him. You would give up everything for him. (laughs) Number three, it changes your life so that when you bring him into your life, he becomes the Lord. And just like they had to do, you live your life with these new values. It, it will change your daily decisions. You'll want to please him more than anything else, and you won't fear anything else. You won't have to fear loss or anything because you can't lose him. Nothing will separate you from the love of God that comes in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, and here's the thing I just want to tell you. I, you know, I've been following Jesus for more years than I want to tell you I've been following Jesus. Um, you have to trust my testimony about this. Many of the rest of us will tell you the same thing. You discover that a, this life of following Jesus brings you a deep inner joy. I mean, no matter where he leads and no matter what transpires, Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what I have come and that what I'm willing to die to offer to you because I love you with an everlasting love. And I haven't come to ruin your life. I've come you to give you life, life to the full, John chapter 10. Now, now again, I've got to use that word. Again, are you with me here so far? Do you see what Jesus is getting here? So I've decided I'm going to go at it one more time, okay? I want to reflect on these two stories in a different way. I think that when Jesus told these stories, he knew that the strength of anybody in any culture's reaction to these stories comes when you begin to perceive that someone is giving up something of enormous value, and now this part is crucial, uh, in exchange for something that the world thinks is of lesser value. Uh, People who have watched Jesus' followers throughout the centuries have sometimes seen a person like the Jim Elliot, who was so, so gifted, and yet going carry the gospel to tribal people and say, that those people are crazy. Why are they doing that? And, and because even though these two men saw the tremendous value, the one hidden in the field and the one uh, of the great pearl, it seemed that other people didn't see that. And so many times people ha- don't have eyes to see what we've given it up for. 
And so the only thing that makes sense out of these stories is that you see people like these who have given up something that the world looks at and says, that's of great value, and, and for that, wh why would you give up this for that? Because if, on the other hand, you know, you hear a story about somebody who gives up one career for a, a career that promises to be much more lucrative, nobody's surprised by that, right? I mean, that wouldn't shock anybody. That, that wouldn't be a story I'd tell you about on a Sunday morning. Um, or or, or in, our, in our community where we have so many people who come from other countries, some of you have told me this, if you're in a country where it's been hard to even provide for your family and you immigrate to another country just hoping that hopefully there'll be uh, more opportunity, nobody is surprised when you make that decision. Or, or I was talking with my good friend Jamie Rankin who was here uh, a few weeks ago playing the piano. He's remained single uh, his, his whole life. And he said to me this, he said, if you've been speaking to all of the people around you for so long that you want to get married, and then one day you decide to leave singleness to get married, nobody's going to be surprised. They would just say, well, of course, that's what you've always talked to us about. I, I think the reason why Jesus tells these two short stories so, so powerfully to us is he just knew that there would be many people who would sort of begin to sense, yes, Jesus must be who he says he is. You read about Jesus and there's just the ring of truth to, to him being the son of God, the savior of the world. But people are going to be tempted to say, okay, I'm going to believe in that, and, uh, but I'm going to keep living the way that I've always been living and just have him as an add-on. And Jesus says, no. When you place your faith in me, I cleanse you of all those things that have kept you from God and I enter into your life. I, I don't want you to come to me and just kind of come to me as a nice new thing to add on or maybe just, hey, this is a good idea. I need to get in touch with my spiritual side, but I want you to come to see me as someone worthy of giving everything up for. Um, that's why Jesus, and the world doesn't always see it, that's why Jesus so often in these parables will say something like, the one who has ears to hear, open up your ears and hear. And if you have eyes to see, open up your eyes to know that there is nothing in this material world that is worthy of your whole life. But Jesus is. All right. We see stories from the first century. What do these stories look like in the 21st century? I've thought of a few. Uh, the first person I thought of was a man that I got to meet a few years ago. His name was Dr. Robertson McQuilkin. I wonder if any of you know about him. He was the president of Columbia International University. Uh, the time I got to meet him, he had left the presidency because his wife, Muriel, had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. He gave up that president of the university, great on your business card title, to become caregiver for a wife with Alzheimer's. Um, he couldn't get away from his wife often, but his favorite, his favorite nephew was teaching on our faculty at Trinity International University, where I was the president. And so he was able to get him to come, and they were able to take care of Muriel from within the family. And he spent several days with us, talking with our students, both undergraduate and graduate students, about the joy that he was actually finding in simply obeying what he thought God would have him to do. And I remember I was sitting down with him before his last chapel 
And this is what he said to me. Greg, many people think I have made a great sacrifice. However, that's not really how I feel about it. I, say, I see this as a part of God's call upon my life. Believe it or not, this life of caring for Muriel brings me great joy, inexplicable joy. Do you see it? He had found that pearl of great price. I began thinking about our own church and many of the people that I've met, and I've thought about the many, many missionaries, many of who've had stellar degrees, uh, who had all these, like, like Jim Elliott, who had all of these opportunities in other places ahead of them, and simply heard the call of Jesus upon their lives, and were willing to go anywhere, any place, simply out of obedience to Jesus. And the consistent testimony is we have found our lives in that place. We have found joy because we are following this one who is what life is all about, the one person worth everything. Amen. Now, I've talked about university presidents and about missionaries, <laughs> but it really is supposed to be true of every follower of Jesus. So I started thinking about Lake Avenue Church, and one person who came across my mind was Maggie Brando in our own church, so I emailed her this week. Do, do you know Maggie? Uh, well, she was in the first service, I think. Maggie is the staff attorney with the Children's Law Center of California. What Maggie does is represents children who are wards of the juvenile court. Now, if you know, Maggie is not six foot six. Many of the, the, the younger people that she deals with are much, much taller and bigger than she is. And to be involved with the juvenile ward isn't the highest paying position in, in the field of law. Just, just, just mark that down. So I asked her why she did it. And, and this is what she emailed me. Uh, I was offered higher-paying firm jobs after passing the bar, but I never took them. I went straight into public interest work because God gripped my heart so clearly when I read Isaiah 58. That's where we are told that the heart of true religion is always showing the care of God for other people as he has shown it to us. And then she went on and she said, and another reason I chose not to work at a high-paying firm is that I knew I wouldn't see my family or get to prioritize them the way I know God has called me to do. So when I think about it, I found out this double pearl of great price. Maggie did this simply out of obedience to Christ, and I'll tell you, she gives ongoing testimony. Yes, to the fact that sometimes this sort of a calling is difficult, as it is, right? but that she finds great joy in it. Now, Jesus tells these stories of such different people because they're not supposed to be about those few extraordinary Christians. They should be true of everyone who meets him. See, these stories should be the story about you and me. Do you see that? I just, yes, we tell, yes, Pastor, we, we see this is supposed to be true about you and me. You see, when you follow Jesus... You hear his call where he says, I know you. I know where you've fallen short. I love you with an everlasting love. I have found a way to forgive whatever is in your past and to have you start all over. In faith, give your sins to me. I will take them and cast them away. In faith, give your life to me and you will see where I will take you. This is what it means to be a Christian. It's what he's talking about when he talks about entering the kingdom of God. 
Now, you've got to know this. He doesn't lead us all down the same path when we follow him. Some people he calls away from our careers into a different one. Some people he sends us right back into our careers, but to live differently for him there. I mean, they're, they're different callings. But for all of us, we share this in the same way. We have found the pearl of great price. So, Lord, wherever you would have me to go, whatever you would have me to do, I am yours. And it, sometimes it feels like we give up certain things we really want to do and that we're drawn toward, but we know that we've given up nothing when we have. We have found everything in him. Have you found it? I, I just have to ask you, have you found that one thing that is worth everything? Have you found spiritual treasure in Jesus? Has your heart been gripped by the great pearl that Jesus and Jesus alone is? Or do you still have this feeling that you can kind of add Jesus onto the other things and it doesn't really matter that much? I just declare to you that Jesus, the Son of God, the one through whom the world was made, uh, did not give his life so that you and I could just sort of respond moderately to him. He meant for you to find eternal treasure. And you find it when you say, here I am. I am yours. I, I think this brings us in wonderfully to a time of baptism, don't, don't you? We're gonna, I don't know if the three who are being baptized knew I was going to preach this sermon. They might have rethought the baptism. Um, Allie and Gabby and Letitia. Men, some of us should be following the Lord in baptism. I'll just tell you that, but I'm really thankful for Allie and Gabby and Letitia because when you're baptized, you really are saying, I am buried with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm alive, but my life that I now live, I, I live through faith in him. Do you see it? That's what we say. Uh, it is that complete surrender to God declared visibly to us through our baptisms. I've told you this story before, but it always makes me think about this man who, when I was a younger pastor, he had lived a, a rotten life. I mean, he had not lived at all for God. Um, and then one day, it was like these men, he, he became aware of this pearl of great price and had given his life to Jesus. It was beginning to make a huge difference in, in his life and he wanted to be baptized. But I think he was in his mid-80s. His health was failing and he was not small. So I, I said to him, you know, I'm willing to just sprinkle you. Uh, I didn't know if I'd be able to get him up. Uh, so he said, absolutely not, Pastor Greg. I want everybody to know that I belong to Jesus from head to toe. That's, that's what Jesus is getting at in this story. That we surrender all that we are and find real life in him. Just before the baptisms come, let me leave you with this great verse. The Apostle Paul, one of the best educated men in his whole society, one of the wealthier men in his whole society, one of those who had everything that his world valued, gave it up to follow Jesus. And this is his testimony. Whatever things I once lived for, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I am willing to give up everything because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I have lost 
all things. But in giving up all things, I found everything. May that be true of you, to his glory. Amen. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, I, I pray so much that I've been faithful to your word. These stories have gone deep to my heart so often, and I, I pray that the same has happened in each of our lives. Father, for those who have come and have really never come to know you and the life that you can give and that comes through faith in Jesus, may this be the day that they come to faith. Father, how much I pray for that. For the rest of us, people like me, who have known you for so long and yet sometimes put other things into your place in our lives. Father, for us, this is a time of re-surrender, of recommitment. Do your work in our lives. For this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.